everybody. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Shaken and Disturbed on this spooky, almost Halloween. For us, no, yeah. For it's us. Halloween well, now for it's people Halloween, listening. It's Halloween now for people listening. I hope you guys have a fabulous... Well, what day is Halloween, John? What Halloween is, of course, a October Tuesday. 31st. It, it is Sweetie. Tuesday, so we have a couple oh, okay. days. Oh, it's October 31st? Oh. <laughs> Well, That's right. That. You didn't know that. You didn't. I you didn't, didn't hear that. that news. You didn't hear that uh, news. You know, I'm one of those people that when I was a kid, I felt like I really liked having Halloween during the week. But when I was a little bit of an adult, I liked having yeah. it on like a Thursday, Friday. But as a kid, it was so fun because you got to do like the school parades and. Oh, I forgot about those. You know, it was really, it was really, really lovely. Um, yeah. Did I did I tell you on this podcast about <laughs> my weird neighbor? Did I mention my weird neighbor? Not the weird house. Is it the weird house? I know no, that, my weird that neighbor in my in my like apartment building. No, maybe I don't I think. Did, maybe I didn't. Oh yes, yes, you I did. I said that on here, right? Yes, yes. Well, I noticed that they have candy and like oh. decorations, and I was like, I was like, I'm not no. taking that. Yeah, I wouldn't take that. If you guys That's... don't know what we're talking about, Darren recently talked about an incident on a recent episode, and yes. yeah, I wouldn't be taking any candy from that particular person. You know, just an abundance of caution. That's all. Abundant, abundance of yeah. caution. The good yeah. news is, guys, if you're listening to this right before Halloween, John and I, we kind of teased this last week, will be, let's Together. just say, in close proximity yeah. towards each other at some point around Halloween, if not before. And so you might see some togetherness videos. John can't keep his hands off me. He can't well, keep away true. from me. He is I'm my stalker. I'm one of those creepy guys. Yeah. He's in love with me. We've been doing this podcast for a long time and he finally admitted it. And I knew that you guys knew this. I mean, <laughs> I knew that John knew this because the sexual tension between us is ripe and palpable. Okay. But uh, he finally... Okay. okay. He finally admitted it. <laughs> and so we're going to be together and we're so excited and we have we're going to do some fun videos for you guys, but um, I want to let you know, John, yeah, yeah, that my yeah. that my mother and I got you got to say it like that when you talk about that, like my your mother, mother. Your my mother, mother from Jersey, yeah, my mother from Jersey. Well, yeah. she's technically from New York, well, from but New York, she lives but in Jersey. That's what I'm, you but know. my mother mm-hmm. loved the Halloween spooktacular and thought the sound quality was really good and very, oh. very fun. Oh, and she was notes. like, Did John, write that. And I said, yes. And she thought it was like a nice little switch up, little change up. So thank you, mom. Yeah, you know my mom is number one fan. Zooey, right? Zooey? That's her nickname, Zooey. Good. Thank you. My mom's not a beanie baby, though, John. I know. Listen, we got to tell it. We got to get to the case, but tell everybody what we just did before we started recording. So so we're recording at a little bit of an odd time. Um, It's it's like a little bit hectic for us these next two weeks. And I woke up to a text. Not only John being like, are you ready to record? Because my alarm did not go off. But also from my my mother. And yeah. I had to send the picture to John. Oh boy. Oh boy. So I my my mother, mother counted. Yeah. Counted. Yeah. And I have 150 beanie babies. Oh my plus god. Plus a few extra that my brother had to use because he went as a crazy cat lady for Halloween a few years back. Oh, so my mom had them. to sew That's a smart. lot of my cat beanie babies <laughs> to something for him. That's Your poor mom. Here. The things that she's put she's had That's to do between nor the there two of you. in this discussion. Okay. But my mother and Correct me if I'm wrong, John, has color coordinated I my mean... 150 beanie babies on the steps in my childhood home where yep. we live. 
and like took a picture of them and she goes gathered for their group photo <laughs> i think there may be a few missing you can see why i may want to get rid of some and evan has a bunch of cats for his costume a while back she goes i was sweating setting it up there are 150 here pick out the ones you're bringing to john 149 <laughs> of them she says so we're gonna post this picture on our patreon yeah I yeah think you it's have just to like, see this picture you guys do you have a picture of your grandmother's like four i do i you're okay so-, so we have we have to post that I think your mom and I were on the same page last night because right before bed, I started thinking about recording today. I was thinking about Beanie Babies and stuff. I started like Googling some Beanie Baby, well, YouTubing some Beanie Baby videos. And I was like, okay, this is like a lot to take in before bed. I need to like calm down. Right. You guys, this picture is 10 stairs of color coordinated (laughs) Beanie Babies. And I will say. It's like as the, like it's it's like a year, a class photo. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly where I went with it. And it just brought back a lot of memories. Some of these I haven't thought of in so long. But yes, my grand I do have a picture of the room. My grandmother has, I don't know if I mentioned this Amazing. on the show. My grandmother has, she had passed away a year ago. Rest in peace. She's my everything. I miss her every day. In a spare bedroom in her home, which it's still up, my grandfather and some family live there right now, is three, I think I said this. I don't know if I said this I to think you, you said Darren. Like three or four, like three levels of shelving right. that is around the room and it's full of beanie babies beanie buddies which were the bigger plushes that you could cuddle which of the beanie baby versions anyway it was just it's beanie baby mania over here on shaken and disturbed i know that really and i don't really know how we got here but yeah i don't know either say that she'd split any money with you if we sell them because i was like john says some of these might be worth something well listen i you know i did spot a couple guys in this picture i was like you might want to look at the tag on these because those are (laughs) looking kind of lucrative we should i don't listen thank you i don't i would i i do not want to take any money like that. But what we could do is put it back into the show, you know, in some capacity or another. Oh, good. I'm glad that my mom has decided in order to support the show, because, you know, she's not going to be on Patreon, is that (laughs) she's going to sell my childhood things. Your childhood things. In support of your career. So that's my mom's. Exactly. That's the way my mom does it. And that's smart. To be honest with you, she's an engineer. Like, she is figuring out a way to erase me from her life while making a profit. Let's let's be honest. It's time to get these things up out of here. She's got she's got I'm other 35. things to do she's with your bedroom. Enough of me. Exactly. Yeah, she's, like, she's like, Darren, it's been a good 35. <laughs> it's been we're a good done 35. Now. <laughs> One last question. Were these sitting out somewhere? Like, were they like in your childhood bedroom? Yeah. Tell is us. that they were not because oh. my mom converted basically like my dad's always had this like den downstairs when my brother and I moved out. My brother's room has kind of become her office and my my room, I mean, there's still like a bed there. We yeah, still sleep yeah, I see there. What you're saying. Um, so it's not like a huge conversion, but my room became kind of her like den, you know, where she's got like, you know, TV, her books, that sure. stuff. And like, you know, we had to move my bed out there. So she still has all like my other collectibles, like my stifes and, and stuff, but she put all the beady beads in like these bins in the basement, like just stacking yeah, them up. So like didn't want to get rid then. of them. Yeah high quality never yeah. been touched kind of right, thing right, so right. my lovely mother has taken the huge fucking bin of 150 beanie babies which is not light by the way no no was like sweating and set them up yeah. on the stairs as like yeah. a joke for me so that the, first of all she got her cardio in that's what's most important she, here, all she wants to do is close her rings i got her an apple watch that's all right, she's cares exactly. about. So like, she's she's fine like she's happy yeah, she's the good. best part is is one time like a few years ago for said halloween costume that my brother did of being the crazy cat lady mm-hmm. i like 
was coming home or like coming to see her. I like walked in the room, having not seen her for a while. She's like on her hands and knees in the kitchen, taking pictures of my cat beanie babies to send to my brother. And I literally go, mom, <laughs> have you lost your mind? I love I her. Was like, she starts laughing and I go, mom, this is what crazy people this do. Is this what, is like, yeah. you're taking pictures of your cats as of your own. I, I literally had to be like, you know, they're beanie babies, right? Mom, you haven't been you're... feeding these cats this whole time. Yeah, right? I know, She's right? Like, no, She's leaving no. dry kibble out. Yeah, you're right. like, get like, up off the ground. We love yeah, you I was here. Like, yeah. I'll get you a cat. Just get up off the ground Just, and yeah, walk right. away. She's like, here's zip, you know? Here. <laughs> yeah. Right. Here's here, radar. Here, here radar. you go. Like... <laughs> the radar, the bat. Well, shout out to your mom and thank you for My this MVP. fun. She's yes, MVP. MVP. It was such a fun walk down memory lane. And I'm going to, I told you guys listening, I told Darren after the show, I will go in and circle the ones that I think thank may you. need another another look in terms another of pass. Yes. Some exactly. might say Halloween. She's my favorite mummy. Oh, well, okay. Guys, we'll stop the show right here. Thanks yeah, so I much. Think, okay, I, what is this? <laughs> what is happening right now? No, that was actually pretty good. I'll I'll let you have that one. I'll let you have that one. Yeah, Thank shout you. out to Mummy this Halloween. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get into this week's episode, Darren. Um, let's do it. All the Beanie Baby talk has gotten me very excited. So here we go. On March 3rd, 2022, you guys, we're right up to last year. While on his way to a friend's house in Brooklyn, a man noticed a shopping cart with what appeared to be a duffel bag inside. Now, let me right off the top. Let me just say, Darren and I have spent a lot of time in Brooklyn. Yes. There are shopping carts with duffel bags probably everywhere. The number one thing you do is you don't go near that because... God they're only knows. Like, so I always like see something, say something. But I'm like, in New York, you I, see things all the time. All like, the time, I, every I don't single understand. day. Like, I truly don't get it. I mean, there's an Instagram account. And I don't know if you follow this, John, but if you don't, it's hilarious. I probably it, do. It's in a way that New York, I've always said, and Nadine agrees with me, how like, if we're comparing New York and LA, like New York is just a funnier city. The people are funnier. The things that happen are funnier. The incidents that happen on the street are funnier <laughs> yes. because we're interacting with each other all day long. In LA, yeah. it's like, you can't capture it, but there it's is a true. great Instagram account called at what is New York. What and, is New York? I thought that's and what it you were going to so say. And it is so funny. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, what is, what is New York? What like, is happening what, in this picture sure, or video? Duffles. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that account. Shout out to What Is New York. Check it out. You don't have to be from New York to appreciate it, by the way. No, you don't. You just have to be like, wow, like, what is New York? It's ridiculous. It's truly ridiculous. Well, I mean, I think of all the times, like, remember that time you saw living crabs on the subway or or, or crabs of some kind on the subway? Like, Well, there what? was like a woman like eating crabs, eating crabs. And then we saw the video of like the live crabs. And I was like, guys, can we all just agree like, not like, to eat seafood on the subway? On the like, subway. <laughs> Or like you shouldn't eat seafood. You shouldn't migrate fish at work. You shouldn't eat seafood on a plane or at work. Like no. it's not fair unless it's already cooked. Like it's just like, what are we doing microwaving fish? People don't people don't know. But anyways. Anyway. What is New York? Check it out on Instagram. Well, without so thinking funny. much of it, he continued on to meet his friend. Like a true New Yorker. No one, you know, this would tell us if he's a true New Yorker or not, if he stopped right. or not. Hours later, he was headed back home. And as he walked by the same pawn shop, he saw that the shopping cart and duffel bag were actually still there. Hmm. Um, so only this time he realized there was, okay, get ready for this, a dark liquid beginning to seep out of the duffel bag. Filled with curiosity, he stopped to investigate, okay? So, so, so now, Something tells me he's not going to find a, 150 Beanie Babies with Definitely not, on no. 
No, this couple. isn't. These are like the real. This might be like the real beanies that were, uh, you know, they were modeled <laughs> after inside. But anyway, the bag was bright and colorful and had this sort of flower pattern embroidered onto it. When he huh. tried to lift the bag, he noticed that it had some serious weight to it. And after unzipping the bag inside, he found an object wrapped in plastic trash bags. Now, again, like I just said, you don't get to the point where right. you're unzipping duffel bags in Brooklyn. Never be doing that. That's what I was going to say. Like, OK, I understand curiosity. I understand. Of course. Maybe going over to be like you know, is this dark liquid blood? You know, like I understand because you could be like, I'm going to call the cops, right? Like I would never yeah. touch anything though, because then ew. I feel like I'm implicated. Not only that, but like the, but like, you ew. know, but know. ew, the ooness of it all, you know, yeah. is just the ew enough. And the oozy. Yeah. yeah the ew and the oozy. Well, inside that plastic, he saw what he thought was a mannequin torso, but quickly realized it to be the decapitated and limbless remains of a woman. Wow. Four days later, a similar gruesome discovery was made in the same neighborhood when someone discovered a severed leg stuffed inside an, an old abandoned tire. We have to figure out, by the way, Darren, where exactly in Brooklyn this is. I'm very yeah. curious because this isn't something <laughs> you're seeing. Figure out where yeah. not to be. You are yes. not to go next time we're in town. Um, but yeah, so really tragic stuff here. The no, victim, that's horrible. Yeah, the victim for this was identified as Susan Layden. Immediately, an investigation was launched, and detectives' first step was to pinpoint where Susan had been on the night when she disappeared, uh, and who she may have been with, of course. Susan had been living in an apartment complex known as the Stonewall House, which is a complex on Pennsylvania Avenue designated to the house. Uh, to housing LGBTQ plus elders, which I didn't even know was a thing. So that's interesting. You know, I didn't either, but I yeah. mean, I obviously know Stonewall. I just wasn't sure if it was related, right. you know, yeah, Stonewall right. is also kind of a common name in that way. Yeah. So. It has represented a lot of LGBTQ things over the years. Well, police began scanning through surveillance footage from throughout and around the building, trying to piece together what could have happened to Susan. Now, no connection to Susan, your mom, just so happens that there's a Susan in today's episode. But just want to be clear, two different Susans that we're if talking about. If you don't about. take all these beanie babies, my mom might threaten to <laughs> put them true. all in a duffel bag, though. She and might. Put them in, she, might. she might. She's my Susie don't play. She don't She's play. like, I need space. I need space yes. in my house. Well, hoping to find footage of Susan herself, police were flabbergasted when they stumbled upon footage of something even more useful. Now, remember, this is only a year and a half ago in March of 2022. So as we know, CCTV and security cameras, I mean, they can really piece together so much. I mean, yeah. this is kind of what happened. I, you know, I don't know if we, we didn't cover the Gilgo Beach murders, but I think that we mentioned uh, yeah. it. But like, yeah, we did. You know, having that, I believe it's a Chevy Avalanche, you know, that they had footage of that Chevy Avalanche just sitting outside this guy's house, you know, just because it was like, part of yeah. the neighborhood, you know? So like yeah. things are being surveilled. It's not like China, but things are being surveilled. So on the CCTV footage, they were also, they were able to see an elderly woman leave the front lobby with the duffel bag that contained Susan's torso. Interesting. Which, you know, an elderly woman. Someone, that's what I'm saying. Describe someone as elderly, yeah. but she's carrying a torso of a woman. That is not usual. The first thing I go to is either the bag is light or that person is dressed up as an elderly woman. Mm, yeah because it just seems that. like that doesn't not i'm not i'm not trying to be ageist i'm just saying like picking up dead weight human body is not a yeah. small feat like yeah. it's not a small feat so the woman in that footage was none other than marceline harvey marceline right that's how we would say Mar marceline yeah marceline. Yep. 
Marceline Harvey was born Harvey Marceline in 1938 and did not come out as trans woman until much later in life. Okay, Hmm. so interesting that she just like decided to switch her names. That's actually kind of cool. Like first name is last name and last name is first name. Right, right. That's actually kind of cool. Marceline was raised in Manhattan where her father was employed as a shipping clerk and her mother worked as a seamstress. From a young age, Marceline wrestled with her gender identity, often getting in trouble for stealing her mother's clothes and jewelry to play, in, in jewelry to play dress up. Had it been hard? Because if this person is elderly and trans, if you think back, oh, and yeah. it's 2022, so let's oh, even yeah. just say they're 60, even though that's not elderly, let's just yeah. say that. Sure. Imagine the difficulty of being trans yeah, ten years ago. Now, sometimes I was just but, gonna say, yeah, you know, it still like, is, but definitely back then. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hopefully praying only getting better, but yes, it's just impossible to even think about it mm-hmm. ten years ago. Now, according to uh, Marceline, her childhood was rather pleasant up until her father passed away when she was ten, and that's gonna upend, I think, anyone's life. Her mother did everything she could to maintain their comfortable lifestyle after her husband's passing, which required her to pick up a lot of extra work. She began sending Marceline to a daycare run by one of the local Catholic churches. And Darren, let's just take a little bit of a break because I also need to grab a drink. But guess what else? I can't believe I'm about to say this, but it's time to start thinking about holiday shopping. Yeah. And just like last year, I am right back on my favorite gift website, uncommon goods i was on it last night and already found the perfect gift for a true crime fan i have many of them as you might expect um okay get this it's a murder mystery jigsaw puzzle but it's not what you think so let me actually just like read the description to you so begin by reading the story of the incident then guided by the narrative rather than a visual reference complete the jigsaw the finished image provides all the clues you need to decipher who done it. Is that not the coolest thing you've ever heard of? I just thought it was so amazing. I have a true crime friend of mine who also loves puzzles. I'm getting this for her. I'm just so excited to get it. And the best part is that we now have a code as I'm going to be say I'm literally going to be using this code. So if you want to buy this jigsaw puzzle or literally anything else on the site which is full of really incredible stuff, As a listener of Shaken and Disturbed, you're going to get a discount. So to get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash shaken. That's uncommongoods.com slash shaken for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods, we're all out of the ordinary. Sorry, guys, we had to take a quick break. John needed to, he was a little parched, he was a little parched talking about those Beanie Babies. So he did get some water and I had to wear, I couldn't record, of course, without my Without your red shirt. Without my red shirt. I needed it. I was a little cold. It's my house sweatshirt. Uh, yeah. When I record, it's record, It's in this room. So by the magic of video, if you're a sussy radish, <laughs> you've seen this too the many times and I will, yeah, yeah. I'll learn to switch it up. But no, that's okay. No, you're good. I, dig- I digress. Yes. So. Back to the story. Marceline would later recall this period of her life as the most traumatic. Remember, she went to a daycare run by Catholic Church. You know, her her parent died. As she claims the nuns who ran the daycare would force the children to endure horrific treatment. Mm. I have a feeling this is going to be kind of hard for me to get through. Uh, Children, religion doesn't really sit well with me sometimes. Well, and let's not, without getting too deep into it, you know, there are tons of allegations of 
stuff like this are surrounding the Catholic Church, unfortunately. I mean, this it's obviously not exclusive to ca- the Catholic Church, but I feel like we hear so much reporting and, uh, you know, um, revelations in the news about just almost like on a weekly basis at this point. Well, it's hard because they're different, you know, separation of church and state, right? And so it's like the government isn't running that. So they can just like take this bad person and put them to the other school church and kind of like it's very insular community in that way, which I yeah. think is really easy to hide bad behavior. Yeah, but it's true. Let's see how it goes. So she yeah. claims they were forced to eat rotten food. They were physically beaten even sexually assaulted. Mm -hmm. She remembers screaming hysterically and begging her mother not to send her there every day, but her mother was left with little choice. According to Marceline, she believes this is where her violent urges were born. And I imagine, you know, this is a common thread between all of this. You know, it's interesting, and I sort of feel bad here, just given so little choice. I mean, I guess, you know, no matter what, you take your kid out of that school, but you have to believe your kid in order to kind of do that. And if you feel like you have no other choice, then you're just just like- You know, it's got to be a lot of psychological torture that's kind of going on in this family right now, especially with, you know, one parent dying with the with the father dying and everything has got to be really, really hard. I was just going to I was just going to say that, you know, when you're a single family household and you have to take your kid to daycare so you can go make money and survive, you know, you, you can see the corner that not just this family, but probably many other families have to deal with on a daily basis, um, even with the allegations. But anyway. At the age of 14, she would have her first run-in with the law when she attacked a young girl who lived in the neighborhood. She was charged with attempted assault and sentenced to intensive therapy and rehabilitation, mostly provided by churches and partner charities. I don't know if you I don't know if you said this, but she's actually attempted sexual assault. So that, oh, I'm sorry, even, attempted sexual assault. No, yes. that's perfect because I think in a way, I think this is such a really interesting psychological thread of just a lot of yeah. people who are abused, I'm thinking R. Kelly at this point, abuse mm. other people. Yeah, you know, oh, 100%. It, it, it's, yes. it's an easy cycle, and they kind of abuse them in the same way that they were abused. Yeah, because so it's what they know abused, worked. Yeah. Exactly. So if you were sexually abused, you tend to yeah. want to sexually abuse yeah. you know, as an adult. Yeah. Well, the traits listed on her diagnosis papers included, quote, violent outbursts, theft, sexual deviancy, cross-dressing, and homosexual behaviors. And that's fucked up, too, because obviously being trans is going to give you a different perspective on a lot of things. And you're going to be an outcast anyway, especially back then. Of course. And so they certainly I mean, listen, it was only a few years ago that they removed homosexuality from the DSM. You know, so think about if you're quote unquote cross-dressing, which, by the way, is completely separate than being trans. People cross-dress all the time. Yes, I was just going to make that point, too. People do that anyway. And it doesn't mean that you want to be a different gender. But imagine back then they were probably like. You know, power of Christ compels you here. Like, oh my totally. God, you know, putting holy water on, on her every <laughs> fucking day. Well, I think this is a time, to your point, that uh, religion has, well, listen, religion will always be weaponized, but especially when it comes to LGBTQ issues. I mean, to to the Catholic churches or to the Vatican's credit, you know, they've come a little bit around on, on homosexual-related LGBTQ issues. The Pope although, has come around, as yeah. I feel like, as much as any religious leader yeah. can, because I think the writing is on the wall, and I think they kind of have <laughs> to. I think they have to reckon with it, um, especially within their own community. Um, I know. yeah. But I think, it, yeah, it's, you know— I think Nadine calls him like the rock and roll Pope. And obviously I still have a problem with the Pope, but it's like the best that we've gotten. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say yeah. so. Yeah. 
Um, love Nadine, by the way. Shout out to Nadine, your girlfriend. She's no beanie baby. She's no beanie baby, but she'll do. Um, in 1957, <laughs> yeah. In 1957, Marceline was arrested again for theft. Her mother agreed to let her continue living there, but only if she started working and kept out of trouble. Which, okay, I mean, I get that. As long as you were. You know, it, it's one thing if you're homosexual, cross-dressing, quote-unquote, sexual deviant. Those are those are things that we that thirteen-year-olds do these days, right? Yeah. But if you're having violent outbursts, you're stealing. I mean, there's certain behavioral things that you do need to, as a parent, just be like, "Listen, I know you're going through something here, but you can't be, you know, being unruly through society at this point." I mean, this is such a hard thing, especially when you have a troubled kid. At what point do you, you know, you always love your kid, but at what point do you enable them? And at what point are you like, no, I'll be there for you no matter what. And that's such a hard line. Well, especially at this point, when are we in 1957 or so where resources aren't, you know, even public resources weren't available the way they are now for this type of stuff. Well, anyway, uh, for the most part, Marceline was able to keep this promise. She began working as a copy machine operator, earning $75 a week. Wow. Okay, not terrible That's for 1957. Pretty... I'm going to look that up. Yeah, 75. see what it is today. Although she avoided any legal issues, Marceline was still heading down a dark path. She began drinking excessively and experimenting with various drugs. It was around this time she began dating a woman named Jacqueline Bonds. Their relationship was unstable, volatile, and violent as they both struggled with substance abuse. It was about um, a tenth of the price of a dollar, so like a dollar in... Uh, 1957 is the same purchasing power as about 1071 today. So it's about earning $750 a week, which really is not that bad. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Well, that's awesome. Well, Marceline's drinking and drug use only fueled her mental health issues, as you can imagine, earning her countless stays at psychiatric hospitals and several new diagnoses such as paranoia and schizophrenia. You know, and another thing that comes to mind as I think more about the LGBTQ of it all is that a lot of times people thought that LGBTQ people were just so mentally unwell that they probably had all these other things going on as well. And so this is just kind of like ringing true in that theory, at least. I don't know if that's exactly true. Maybe she truly did have these things, but given the time scapegoat too to be like, Oh, well she's, you know, I don't think trans necessarily was like the right term they probably used, but let's just say homosexual, um, even though that's, two different things totally different um, if things, they yeah. if they thought that you were homosexual or deviated from the normal male right. to female ratio you know whatever they probably were just like oh that explains why this person's so violent and so right. terrible like they're an outcast anyway you know right. so it was just exactly. an easy way to excuse behavior without actually helping mental health it's true it's true well marceline trapped jacqueline in a cycle of violence she was unable to escape from as she would urge her girlfriend to seek help only for her to return and begin subjecting jacqueline to the same abuse In 1967, Marceline was accused of sexually assaulting a woman and had threatened Jacqueline into corroborating her alibi with a fake story. Now, Jacqueline had already been fighting to leave the toxic relationship, but she found this incredibly immoral, of course, and refused to do it. So very tumultuous relationship here between Jacqueline and Marceline. Yeah. Now, according to uh, Jacqueline's or Jacqueline's mom, it's funny because that's how my mom spells her middle name. Jacqueline. What? Jacqueline. That's how you pronounce it. Like Susan Jacqueline Ryla. So I think it's, I think you could go either way, but yeah, that's it. Cause she, cause my mom spells it with like the CQ. Okay. You don't normally see. Yeah. Anyway. You say Jacqueline, like Jacqueline. 
Yeah, Jacqueline. I'm saying Jacqueline, but I yeah, whatever it is. You guys well, know. If we the switch word. it up, you yeah, you'll know what's up. We're from different parts of the country, you guys. We grew exactly. up with different sounds. So according to Jacqueline's mom, on the night her daughter finally left, she accompanied her to gather her stuff from Marceline's apartment. Now, as they were leaving, she says that Marceline put two fingers up in the shape of a gun and pointed it to Jack saying, I'll get you. Mm. Now, on that day, on the day that Jacqueline was supposed to appear in court for Marceline's trial, she was nowhere to be found. That's because shortly before she was supposed to leave, Marceline decided to pay her ex-girlfriend a visit. We all see this. I had a feeling this was going to happen. And with her, she brought a 32 caliber gun. Now, when she entered Jacqueline's Harlem apartment, she just began opening fire. Jacqueline was shot a total of three times, although the scene suggested she moved around quite a bit in between each wound. I feel like unless I would be, I obviously don't know, but unless someone's shooting me in the head or the heart, I feel like if someone's shooting me in the arm, like I'm not just going to stay there. Like, yeah, there would be movement in between that wasn't a fatal shot. I have thought about this a lot over the years, especially given our, our podcasts that we've done. How would I react to this situation? If like you said, you're shot, but not killed. I think I would be in total and complete shock. I mean, I think so too. I don't know what I would do. Your body might naturally flail. Like, like your body might naturally, right, like flight or fight kind of thing. Right, right, right. What? It's hard to say. So the apartment was obviously in disarray as Jacqueline undoubtedly had put up as much of a fight as she could. Finally, after the third shot, she collapsed and died on her living room floor where she would be found later that day. Mm. Marceline was charged with first-degree murder in October of 1963. So we obviously know this is not the duffel bag because this is 60 years prior to the duffel bag. That's right. This is her first real taste of blood. She was convicted and sentenced to 20 years to life in prison after the injury struggled to decide whether or not to give her the death penalty. What's interesting here is there's probably not even talk of putting her in a women's prison. Yeah, right. They're just like, you're a weirdo and you're going to go here. Like those conversations really didn't even start happening until right about now. Now, Marceline saw through her 20-year sentence, and when it came time to make an appeal, she was successfully able to convince the parole board that she had been rehabilitated. I don't know how the fuck she did that. (sighs) She knew exactly what to say and to do to earn their trust, and in the end, they believed her story of learning from her mistakes and feeling immense remorse was true. She was released in 1983, but less than a year and a half later, she would prove that all of the promises she made to the parole board had been empty and meaningless, which is why it's pretty hard to convince. Yeah, board, I was just going to say that uh, because it's they know that maybe most people are trying to manipulate them, even though right. I do think people do get rehabilitated and deserve that chance. Yeah, for sure. Shortly after her release, Marceline began living at the Cambridge Residence Hotel in Harlem. There you go. So we're still in the 80s here. So in her late 40s, Marceline was still an avid drinker and partier, making friends with all of the local bar crowds, drug addicts and homeless people. It was around, you know, I just keep thinking, you know, Darren, you and I have talked so much about rehabilitation and, you know, doing your, serving your time and like becoming a productive member of society again. But like, it's just, it's hard to know the big story here in the sense of like someone murdered somebody, was able to get out of that situation and is out making friends and drinking and partying. It's just, it just doesn't feel right, even though 
that's how the justice system works in our country, you know, in a in a weird way, kind of very loosely. This was really the case, the circumstantial evidence that was brought against Casey Anthony. Yes, for the I was just that thinking she that. her daughter. And yes. that is not enough. Well, to allegedly. Prove that she, yeah, yeah. Well, she's found not guilty. So she didn't kill right. her daughter. I mean, you know, yeah. um, but this was sort of the behavioral circumstantial evidence as opposed to eyewitness standpoint. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, yes, yes. About why she would have behaved differently and definitely killed her daughter, you right. know, and so. Obviously, she didn't, but it's very similar in that way. People have a hard time kind of understanding this. And obviously, as we know, she actually did. Marceline here did actually kill. (laughs) Yes, good way to set that up. I will say, if you want to know our thoughts about Casey Anthony, we did do a TV recap of the Peacock documentary. So go back in our in our history. Although everyone listening to this episode has listened to every episode of our show, right? Of course. It's a good discussion point. It was really good. Yes, I think Casey Anthony will always, there's never going to be 100% certain. Like, I think people know we're certain about OJ. I think people are so uncertain about Casey Anthony, and I do think people change their minds a lot on it. I certainly did. Yeah, I I think I did too. I think that, uh, yeah, go listen to the episode. We don't need to, I won't rehash my thoughts on it, but check out the episode in our feed. It's available there. I think we even have a part two on our Patreon as well. If you want to check that out. Anyway, so it was around this time, as I said, as she was making friends, that Marceline began seeing a woman named Anna Lara Sierra. Anna, I like that name. Yeah. Anna was uh, unfortunately addicted to heroin, living on the streets, and using sex work to survive. As their relationship grew, eventually she moved into Marceline's room in the hotel. According to Marceline, Anna would often enrage her by staying out for days on end, pawning Marceline's belongings for drug money, and even bringing back uh, random men to their room. Not unlike Marceline's previous relationship. Those are known as Johns. Some Johns. people call them Johns. That's, That's true. That's the term. That's I wonder true. where you got your name. <laughs> I are wonder you where. Related to the story. <laughs> well, listen, there's plenty of other people connected to this story, it seems. So there you go. Yeah, my mom's middle name. Your mom. And yeah, exactly. What are you and my mom have been doing? We don't I don't know. know. There's a there's some kind of synergy happening in the world right yeah, now. Yeah, synergy. Yeah, right. Well, not unlike Marceline's previous relationships, theirs was fueled with drugs and violence. And on October 30th, Darren, the day before this episode, the day after this episode comes out, 1984, less than one year after her release, Marceline's violent urges would get the best of her yet again. Outside, another resident of the hotel was standing on the corner smoking when he noticed Marceline come out of the lobby pushing a shopping cart. In her wake, he saw a trail of what appeared to be blood, but ultimately decided to mind his business and not say anything. That man was compelled to speak up the following day when news broke of a dismembered body being found in Central Park. That body belonged to Anna. After an argument, Marceline had tied up Anna, stabbed her to death, and then dismembered her body before packing the pieces into trash bags to be discarded throughout the neighborhood. Due to her profession, Anna had had numerous run-ins with the uh, police, which actually aided their investigation to her murder, as they already knew her usual routines and places that she tended to go. That's like a weird, like, silver lining in this case, sadly. Well, the investigation quickly began pointing back to Marceline, earning her another first-degree murder charge. And the tough thing here, where I'm thinking, outside of the obvious, is like, if you're convincing a parole board that you were rehabilitated only to go right. back and, and do the do same it. thing. Yeah. 
not that I'm sure Marceline's thinking about this at all, but like how hard is it for that next person then to convince someone? Because every right. time a person breaks that bond, the people that are actually being rehabilitated are going to have that much greater barrier of yeah, entry of being released, you know, yep. because they're going to be like, well, they convinced me and she, and she did this. So, right. you know, it's not ever going to happen again. And so it kind of is just this cycle and it affects yeah, it everyone is. else, how other people react to it in this weird way. It's a really good point. Yeah. Take a drink. In 1985, she would use her smooth talking yet again to secure a plea deal, dropping her charges to first degree manslaughter, which bore a six to 12 year sentence. I imagine she has some sort of people skills to be able to do this. You know, I think some criminals are smart in that way, that they are very manipulative naturally or can read a room. And so she must have some sort of gift with this. She has to because it's not an easy thing to kind of do. No. Um, Miraculously, this plea was accepted, although additional time is added because it was a violation of her first parole. (laughs) Yeah, I would say that's a violation. Yeah. Over her second imprisonment, Marceline would be denied parole a total of 15 times. In total, she served 35 years for Anna's murder before being released yet again in 2019. Imagine being, I mean, like you never hear about, very rare for someone to be serving a a, a sentence for murder, right? Yeah. It's another thing to get out after that murder sentence. It's another thing to serve two murder sentences in prison and you're alive long enough to get the fuck out of prison. Yeah, like that right. is insane. Now, during her final parole hearing, she was in her early 80s and appeared very frail. This most likely contributed to the board's decision to release her as it could be hard to imagine someone of her stature and age doing any harm. We've seen this a lot. You know, um, Harvey Weinstein came into the court with a walker. Yeah. We saw, um, I'm blanking on his name, but the Golden State Killer who was like this frail Joseph D'Angelo, old man. Yep. Joseph D'Angelo, yeah. You know, this frail old man, how he possibly could kill anyone. This is mm. not a cold-blooded killer. I mean, these are emotional tactics that do play. Some people are sick, but they do play emotional yeah. tactics of being like, how could this person hurt how anybody? How could I ever do you this? Know? Yeah. Much like we thought, like, how could an elderly woman carry a fucking dead-weighted body yeah. out of a hotel? Now, like, And it's also like you know is the sentencing and are you being tried on your in this you know i'm thinking of the golden state killer you know the murders of the past or what you could or couldn't do now you know i think you need to be held accountable for your past and sentenced for those things personally not just how you know what may or may not happen for happen for the rest of your your you know life on earth but that's just me anyway she was released on lifetime parole and used her new lease on life to start transitioning in a weird way. And I hate to say this because she's a killer, like pretty bold to start transitioning in your eighties. I feel like that's a, that's a move up until this point. Marceline had lived her life as Harvey quote unquote, but she decided to swap her given first and last names began wearing a wig regularly and wearing feminine clothing outside of the house. So this is a full transition that we're going for right now without any um, medical procedures, as far as we know. When speaking of her crime, she will refer to her past self as Harvey, almost as if speaking about a totally different person. Mm. Caitlyn Jenner does this as well. When Caitlyn is talking yeah. about um, her Olympic, you know, winning the yeah. decathlon, she refers to herself as Bruce yeah, during yeah. those times. So we try not to, you know, dead name or do any of that stuff. But I think yep. it is important that people who do want to kind of, oh, that was Bruce and I'm Caitlyn now kind of separate. Mm-hmm. I think we do have to um, appreciate yeah, that as well her. and respect yeah. that as well. For sure. So although she was beginning her new life as Marceline, according to her, Harvey still exists within her, almost as this alternate personality, if you will. Harvey, her masculine side is violent and cruel, but Marceline, her feminine side is soft and kind. 
And remember, in the 60s, there was a diagnosis of schizophrenia, not that these things are connected necessarily. But, you know, if you're saying that there's a different person inside of you, that's pretty, yeah, pretty that's clearly not being connected. A tr- that's not being trans, right? That is a completely yeah. separate thing. They might coalesce in some sort of way, but that is a completely separate thing. For sure. Now, after her second release, Marceline stayed a short while in a woman's shelter where she almost immediately began her pattern of violence again. Mm. While staying at the shelter, a staff member named Monica Archer was fired after repeatedly warning the shelter about how dangerous Marceline was. You got to wonder why Monica was fired after warning someone in a women's shelter, of all things, which yeah, really very vulnerable women living there, sure. uh, how dangerous this person was. Her criminal history was enough to put the staff on edge, but when she began making physical threats, the situation grew even more tumultuous. Yeah, maybe you don't fire fucking Monica Archer, though. <laughs> right. How about that? Right. How about, how about fucking that? take the thing seriously? Yeah. Well, according to Monica, Marceline would threaten to kill her and other staff on a regular basis and even brought a firearm into the shelter. Yeah, Monica begged her superiors to send Marceline to a more supportive shelter as they were not accustomed to dealing with such extreme mental health issues and substance abuse. Yeah. Monica's warnings were ignored, and instead, she was terminated from her position, with her bosses claiming that her discomfort with Marceline was because of her identity and not her actual safety concern. See, the time that Marceline Mm -hmm. had spent in prison, the world had changed. That's true. Rapidly. And now we're at the point where since situations like this, where it's like, oh, no, you're just being a bigot. As opposed to being like, no, you know, like, trans people can be murderers, too. You know what I mean? Like, we all have anyone can be that at any given time. We have to take threats seriously, no matter what that other person is or looks like or anything like, you know, Monica's still a human being that deserves to be taken care of too. hundred percent, especially at work. Well, rather than listening to Monica's suggestion of sending her to a treatment center, instead they provided her with long-term housing in the Stonewall house, a complex, as we mentioned, dedicated to housing elderly members of the LGBTQ plus community In her new apartment complex, Marceline began making some new friends. She had a group of women who she who lived in the building who she would refer to as her coven. (laughs) Happy Halloween, everybody. You know, yeah, like I know plenty of my friends who think that about their girlfriends. So this isn't necessarily that weird. Yeah, who knows exactly how weird this is? I don't know. But nonetheless, a coven is is had. She was also known to hang out with a group of vagabonds who would gather and party in Tompkins Square Park. And if you've ever walk by Tompkins Square Park in the evening. You probably know who we're talking about. Mm -hmm. It was here that Marceline would meet, sadly, her next victim. She befriended a woman named Susan Layden, as we mentioned at the top of the show, who had recently moved into the building. Susan was born and raised in New Jersey and grew up extremely close with her parents. The family lived a comfortable upper upper middle class lifestyle, and Susan's childhood was full of happy memories. Um, but that's just the beginning of Susan's story here. Shout out to Thompson Square Park because they do an amazing like dog Halloween parade. And it was like, <gasps> is that where that is? I didn't know cutest. that. It yeah, it's cute. the cutest. So those memories were shattered, however, in the 1970s when she lost not only her father, this is Susan now, but yeah. both of her younger brothers within just a few years of each other. Mm. Susan then turned her focus to her family. She married her high school sweetheart and had given birth to her only child, a daughter named Nicole in 1985. Aside from her family, her other great love was her business. Susan owned and operated a store called Jewels and More, following the same career path as her father before her. Although she struggled as a single mother, she managed to support both her and Nicole with her store for over 12 years, which is 
yeah. just heroic. By the 2000s, Susie began struggling with her mental health, which began putting immense strain on her relationship with her daughter, ultimately resulting in them being estranged. By tw- That's sad. By 2019, yeah. she had decided to get a fresh start by leaving New Jersey and starting anew in Brooklyn, settling down in the Stonewall House. Despite her struggles, Susan was hopeful for the future and for what the city had in store for her. her I'm also curious. Friend, yeah. Oh, sorry to interrupt no, you. No, no, please. You know, she has a child and, you know, and everything like that. So I'm wondering, how did she get in? You know, is Stonewall House only for the LGBTQ plus or? Well, maybe she maybe is she's LGBTQ. Maybe she yeah. just is. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we don't have is. that information here, but interesting nonetheless. Yeah, because it's kind of like, how do you prove that? I mean, if you say that right. you are, then you are. Like, I, I, you know, even like, like I was gay before I first had a girlfriend right you know so it's yeah. like how do you prove that if you're just like yeah i'm queer they're like okay okay like, check yeah. we check the box here we go <laughs> yeah, it's like have you done the next like <laughs> do you have your tool belt do you have you ever driven a u-haul do you Can own you a subaru a right do like, you own a subaru yeah exactly uh do you have a by nurse? the way we're gay so we can say this guys okay yeah, we we're can allowed insult to make our fun. own people yeah exactly did you say well, do you have a merce yeah <laughs> John, we know you do. Uh, I probably I have lots of bags. I have a Jurassic Park (laughs) purse I'm looking at right behind this phone. Yeah, exactly. Well, her neighbors and friends described her as outgoing, incredibly stylish, and overall very confident in who she was. Sometime after moving in, Susan became acquainted with Marceline, although the the full nature of their relationship is a little still unknown. Mm. Susan became a frequent visitor to Marceline's apartment, earning a spot in her quote-unquote coven of women, as she called it. Based on her social media profiles, it appears that Marceline had a bit of an obsession with Susan. See, now the internet is around here, Marceline. Yeah, that's so right. people can really track all your movements. Yeah. She would comment on nearly everything she posted and even use Susan's photos as her own profile picture. Mm, oh, that's when you know okay. it's gone too far. That's when you know. Oh, you know what else? Right? You, you know those like, well, well, I don't want to make fun of these people, but you know those couples that have one Facebook one facebook thing and it's like and it's like just as like john and darren carp would be like the full thing let's do that me and you just make our own little like uh facebook thing you know just that's when you know things are a little you know you might be a little dependent you might be a little dependent just a touch and and of course if you're listening and you have that we're not talking about you we're just talking about everyone else when you guys do it we love you guys exactly Well, anyway, so on March 2nd, 2022, like I said, just last year, after not answering any phone calls or house visits, Susan was reported missing by a friend. The mystery of her whereabouts would be short-lived, however, as the following day, her torso was discovered in the flowery duffel bag outside of that Brooklyn pawn shop. Mm -hmm. Now, the investigation led police to scan all the CCTV footage from inside and around the apartment building, leading them to find the harrowing footage of Marceline dumping Susan's body. Other disturbing footage was uncovered from several local businesses, including the closest dollar store. Marceline entered the store riding a motorized scooter, and at one point, she is seen standing up to get something off the shelves. And when she stands up, clear as day, you can see Susan's dismembered leg wrapped in a trash bag on the seat of the scooter. Oh my God. How did she think it wasn't going to smell? Like, that also seems reckless oh, yeah, in terms of, like, of do you just think people are going to get away with it? You're elderly now. Well, maybe you people know, think that you're not looking at you like that seems why are you going to a dollar store with this? Leave the torso at home. Leave the yeah, leg at home. Yeah. You, you know, not for nothing. But I feel like in New York City, like I know it's like, oh, it's that's like just a you chicken smell leg. something. Yeah, <laughs> it's right, like, you, it's like you're so right. The smells of New York are, uh, you know, uh, 
that we should do a podcast on that. Like, what did Just what did we smell, smell today? Yeah, what did we smell? We, we what do we should. think we're smelling at this point? At any at any point in New York, you know. So I don't know. I feel like, but that is a really good point. I mean, you know, it's clearly it's visible, bold. so it's yeah, there. It's yeah. Bold. Well, not only did uh, had Marceline been discarding Susan's body parts as if they were rubbish, but she was actually riding around, sitting on top of the pieces while she was running errands. I mean, it's just very gruesome. With the help of other residents, Marceline was identified as the woman pushing the shopping cart out of the lobby. And of course, a warrant was issued for her arrest for the third yeah, time, at least. Yeah, for know. the third time. Yeah. And minimum. And police were eager to search the apartment, but nothing could have prepared them for mm. the gruesome scene that lay with it. Now, I could kind of only imagine if this woman is agreeing to carry around another woman's leg that she dated on her scooter into a dollar store. Yeah. Her apartment is probably not pristine. That's just a guesstimate. <laughs> but I just have to feel like this is probably Same. not. Yeah, she's not living with me. We've done enough shows to know exactly what is going down with this. And I think exactly. that's a good that's a good assessment of the situation. Well, Inside, they discovered the previously missing head of Susan. Good thing she didn't mm. go to a dollar store with that, as well as various right. other dismembered body parts that had yet to be discarded. So why take the fucking leg? Just know. leave the leg at home. The rest of it's at home. Why none of this is that? none of Doesn't this make makes any sense. sense. Yeah, none of it makes sense. The tub was still so again. We're not talking about someone who's mentally well here, though. The tub right. was still soaked with blood, and in the trash, investigators found blood-soaked towels, a bloodied mop head, and the packaging for the handsaw used to dismember Susan. It was determined that the official cause of death was blood force trauma to the head, and she was dismembered post-mortem. Marceline was arrested and held under dismemberment charges with only two weeks. Investigators gathered enough evidence to charge her with first and second degree murder, concealment of a corpse, and tampering with evidence. Marceline pled not guilty to all charges, claiming that she had been framed by police and that they had fabricated the evidence against her. Um, I don't know if that's how that works. Again, like this... She was in prison for so long. I'm not sure she understands how much technology is like change in <laughs> right, her time that's a good point. of being yeah. in prison. Yeah. But today, Marceline resides in Rikers Island Correctional Facility, where she will mm-hmm. remain in custody until her trial, which has yet to set a start date. And the way these things go, I have a feeling she's either going to be a little bit too old to stand trial, a little too mentally unwell, oh, or unfortunately, perhaps die in prison. But it's. A sad case, nonetheless. Yeah. Sad case for her, because I think she had a very hard life, no doubt. But yeah. super sad for her victims. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't think that there's going to be a plea deal the way that we've seen the... I mean, who knows? We'll have to see. Well, she pled I mean, guilty, if they, actually, if, so if, I guess. Then, then they're stupid as fuck, because yeah. now they've let this happen now twice. Yeah, well, I guess if she pled guilty, then there's no plea deal. Although, maybe the... Sen- I don't know, we'll have to see. I mean, we're going to cover this... We'll have to make sure Megan keeps an eye on this, you know, who does our research for yeah. the show and just give an update when the trial. Although if this happened last year, I feel like a trial should be coming up somewhat soon. I mean, it's been Well, I don't know like how, first off, you know, Rikers is like, they're thinking about shutting Rikers down, which is yeah, notoriously right. bad. Yeah. But also, okay, I'm looking up Harvey, Marceline, Marceline Harvey. Um, and I think given the fact that I think COVID pushed back a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So I could see there being just a stack of things to getting to. So yeah, I would think it would happen pretty soon, but it's actually unclear. Yeah. Yeah. We will keep an eye on it and give an update when the episode or here on the, on an episode, John, can you speak? Um, Whenever John, God, what's wrong with me? So stupid. Uh, Whenever that happens, hopefully sometime soon so that there's some justice for Susan and frankly, the other victims. I mean, and you can see these on, you know, uh, the the problem here is that 
like you can look at a New York Post article and see this. They do say her name is Harvey Marceline, the 83-year-old ex-con. I don't know if that's considered dead naming. I don't know if that's legal. I don't know what the deal Maybe is. Maybe that's the legal um, name and not her they, actual. Perhaps they show Susan Layden. You know, perhaps they have to do that. I think that's going to be an interesting issue brought up. Yeah. But you can see Marceline um, as a old person. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. very old person. So. So check that out. And you can out. see the CCTV footage as well because they have oh, that. Oh, dear. I don't know yeah. if I want to look at that, to be honest. Although just spooky enough for Halloween as, as this episode comes out. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my God. They actually have the fucking picture of the. I don't want to see. Of the like leg. the dismembered leg, like circled on the motorized scooter. Oh, dear. That's just disturbing. Well, yeah. go look that up if you're interested and let us know what you thought about this week's episode. Hit us up at Jay Thrasher Carpe Darren. Hit us up in our Facebook group and yeah. join us on Patreon, all of which, oh, by the way, all these links, including our personal socials, are now in our show notes. So go click around in there, find us, talk to us, keep us posted, and maybe uh, we'll uh, read your re- responses on uh, listener shout outs, which we're about to get into now, Darren. How about yeah, that? Yeah, let's do it. Let's end on a positive note, please. Well, by the way, speaking of Beanie Babies, as we talked about at the top of the show, Krista, a longtime Patreon supporter and listener of the show, played along with our Beanie Baby pop quiz and yes. said, quote, love the Beanie Babies quiz. And the only one I knew was Scoop and was screaming at the top <laughs> of my lungs, Scoop, which I thought was so funny because I can just imagine people doing that, you know, like people course, our age. Like, scoop, you idiot. Scoop. Yeah, scoop. yeah. I got yeah, right. there. It took me a minute, but I got scoop, but they eventually came to me. Yeah. Well, we wanted to give a special shout out to Patreon yes. member of our heart, Marty. Marty has been a member for two years and always supports the show in any way she can. Marty, thank yes. you for being such a loyal member of Shaken and Disturbed. You're the sussiest of radishes. We really do, <laughs> you know, appreciate all your support emotionally, physically, mentally. You are uh, absolutely amazing. All, all of our patrons amazing. all. But thank you so much, Marty, for all your support. We wanted to give you a special shout out. Yeah, special shout out to Marty. We, it's we scoop, really appreciate you idiot. It's scoop. It's scoop. I mean, I would be doing the exact same thing if I was listening in. Um, And if you guys are wondering how you can support our show and keep these episodes coming every week, please consider joining Patreon. We have tons of exclusive videos and episodes that are not released to the public. We also uh, post pretty much everything there a little bit earlier than usual. Like you guys get first looks and listens of of most everything. If you're a sussy radish tier, you get to watch the actual video recording of every week's episode. So tons of really good stuff there. Um, there is some, there's an update on the physical gifts that I can give next week. I think um, maybe even earlier actually, but uh, yeah, those are finally coming along for those of you who signed up for them. I think 10 months ago, more on that later. Um, but anyway, as I mentioned last week, our Patreon subscribers got to hear our Halloween spooktacular episode a few days earlier. So it's really great if you're a big fan of the show and you want to help us keep going, you can support uh, as little or as much as you'd like. Patreon.com slash shaken and disturbed. Or like I just mentioned, you can just check it right in the show notes. Darren, speaking of checking... Make sure you check your freshies. And happy Halloween. Happy check Halloween to everyone. Check your brake pads without pants. You don't need a penis. Although on Halloween, maybe you do. I don't know the rules. About just be careful. Penis. Yeah, just be careful out there. If you're checking your freshies or your brake pads. Okay, guys? That's right. Have a great Bye. Halloween, everyone. Bye. Ooh, bye. Bye.